You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, and we have a week and a half before Michigan kicks off against Minnesota. We are almost a game week. I don't know if you all are excited or not. I hope you are. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, you, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire, through USA Today Sports Media Group. And uh, Jim Harbaugh had his radio show yesterday between him and Brian Jean-Marie, who both spoke with John Jansen and some of the other interviews we've had all week. I think we kind of have a good idea of what the starting lineup might look like. So we're going to examine that uh, up top, and then after that we're going to get to uh, some of the other, uh, some of the backups that I think we can expect to see. Again, based off of what was said, we'll finish out some things I like and don't like about the Michigan Minnesota matchup. And I, I'll be honest up front, it's it seems a little bit more daunting than I thought going into it, but we'll see. Um. Anyway, let's get to the uh, let's get to the the depth chart. This might not take very long because I might just roll through it, right? But we'll talk about everybody a little bit. So based off of kind of what we've heard from Harbaugh, from some of the position coaches throughout the last couple of weeks through fall camp, now that we uh, were almost done with fall camp and into the, uh, the actual game week, which will be less than a week from now, uh, here's who I think we can basically pencil in. Again, pencil in, eraser, you know, still intact. Things can change. But uh, just kind of based off of uh, what what we've heard from some of these people, uh, I think we have a pretty good idea. Uh, I went with a uh, I went with the 12 personnel here. So as the as the starting. So one running back, two tight ends, two running back. I'm sorry, two one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Um. And that it goes as follows. Uh, quarterback Joe Milton. I don't think we have a lot to discuss there. I think we all kind of are on the same page. Now, it's funny because like my, my writer Brandon Knapp wrote why Joe Milton is a different kind of quarterback for Michigan. And the, the comments are, I'm tired of the hype. It's like, well, guess what? You're going to have hype. That's what happens in the offseason. If, if there wasn't any hype, people would be like, why isn't there any hype? This is getting ridiculous. This is getting to be absurd. Why is no one talking about him? We're doomed to fail. This is the time when you can't have hype, especially because they're going to tell us, the media, what they see, what they think, all of that, and we're going to relay that. That is our job, so that is exactly what's going to happen. And yes, there are some doomsayers out there that are like, out there saying things like, they're hyping up Joe Milton, even though he's had a bad completion record while in high school football. Guess what? High school football is different than college football. It just is. Some guys are amazing in high school football. They get to college and flame out and vice versa. I think the biggest telltale thing is that Dylan McCaffrey is like, I have a free year at Michigan. Guess what? I'm not spending it there. The job is clearly not going to be mine. Goodbye. Pretty sure he already has his degree in hand, or at least would by the end of this year. He'd be able to transfer anywhere without sitting in out, you know, sitting the year out. 
The fact that he's like, you know what? I'm peacing. Bye. See ya. Tells you, I think, everything you need to know about Joe Milton. Running back is too close to call. I'm sticking with Zach Charbonnet. But, I mean, it pretty much sounds like, I mean, you're going to see all of them. You're at least the four that we've been talking about. Sticking with Zach Charbonnet, but that doesn't mean that he's going to play 100% of the snaps. You know, like, he might get 50 one week. He might get 70 one week. He might get 30 one week. Hassan Haskins, Chris Evans, and uh, Blake Corum all are going to figure in. Wide receiver, Ronnie Bell. I don't think that's any surprise. He leads Michigan, uh, comes back as the, the, the guy who led Michigan in receptions and yards last year. I'm pretty sure you can close the book on Nico Collins at this point. Wide receiver number two, I went with some something a little different. I went with Mike Sainer still. Just kind of based off of what Jim Harbaugh had to say about Mike, well, just kind of what we've heard about Mike Sainer still recently and the fact that we, you know, we obviously we got him and Giles so far this offseason, but here's what Harbaugh said yesterday about uh, Mike Sainer still. Uh, I believe there's two places where he talked about him. He said he, he was the second guy that Harbaugh mentioned when asked about the wide receivers yesterday. He said Mike Sainer still has done a tre- has had a tremendous, tremendous offseason and early camp practicing really well. Then he went to Roman Wilson, Giles Jackson, Jake McCurry, Cornelius Johnson, so on and so forth. Then later, the three sophomores, Mike Sainer, still Giles Jackson, Cornelius Johnson, are all really good and are playing. Talked about Roman Wilson and A.J. Henning, and they said Mike's really improved his blocking, maybe our best blocker on the team. He's also got the last year, Mike can really go. Uh, He's really fast. You can see the fresh legs and separation. Giles has that and then some probably. So that might that that to me is you know maybe a coin flip between Mike and Giles, but either way, so that's why I have Mike Sanders still as the second wide receiver. Tight end, I have two tight ends. I have Nick Eubanks and Eric All. We've heard mention of Luke Shoemaker, but we haven't heard much. Eric All is the guy that's getting a ton of hype. Then the uh, offensive line, which I think there's still some question marks about left guard, but I think these, the following are pretty much pretty close to set in stone. If not set in stone, left tackle, Ryan Hayes, center, Andrew Vistardis, right guard, Andrew Stuber, right tackle, Jalen Mayfield. I think that's pretty much set in stone, right? Left guard. I stuck with Chuck Filiaga, but it seems like him or Trevor Keegan. I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Barnhart, if it was like, Hey, you've been playing uh right guard. We're, put you in at left guard, see how that goes, that type of thing. To me, that's it's Chuck Filiaga's job to lose, so that's what I'm going with there. Defensively, I don't think there's – I think most of it is pretty much known, right, because you've got a lot of returning starters. Quiddy Pay at one end spot, Aiden Hutchinson at the other, Carlo Kemp at defensive tackle. I have Chris Hinton or Donovan Jeter, and if what Harbaugh said about Jeter yesterday – I mean, we've, we've, we, Don Brown said a week and a half ago or so, two weeks ago, that uh, Jeter was, has been really surprising. We're going to talk to Sean Nua uh, as part of the media tomorrow. But uh, talking about Donovan Jeter, see, this is what Harbaugh said. Carlo Kemp and Chris Hinton, and now Donovan Jeter is also really surging and doing great. Such a natural and good football player. So I, I have it as Chris Hinton or Donovan Jeter. We've been hearing about Jeter a lot. It's time for him to step up. This is his uh this is his fourth year. So it's time to step up. 
for him. Uh, Will and Mike are no surprise. Josh Ross, Cam McGrone. Viper is no surprise. Michael Barrett. I think Sam linebacker is a little bit of a surprise because it's Ben Van Sumer. And I don't know that anyone had any preconceived notions about uh, what was going to happen there. But just to hear what Brian Jean-Marie had to say about Sam. He said, it's been one of the biggest surprises because we don't have a guy that was necessarily returning that had a lot of reps there. Probably one of the biggest surprises on the defense has been Ben Van Sumeren. He's a young man that played on the offensive side of the ball, had a brief stint on defense, but didn't have a home, and he's really taken to that position. Big, athletic kid. He's in the 250 range, but runs really, really fast. And the big thing you like about him is he's been aggressive. Kind of matches Coach Brown's mentality as far as defensive players. He's a big guy that doesn't mind putting his pads on people. I know we've only been in pads for a week, but he's shown the aggressiveness to be pretty successful. So I think it's Ben Van Sumer in there. Safeties, Brad Hawkins, Dax Hill. I know there's the whole, is Dax going to be a corner? Harbaugh had mentioned him at nickel yesterday. But uh, when it comes to Dax, this is what he's had to say about Dax. It's been a high level, really. The talent, he might be our most talented player on the team, arguably. Very, very trusted, very good communicator in the back end, really knows the safety position and also the nickel position. He's really, really good playing both safety and covering in the nickel slot. He's been really good. So that's that. Daxton Hill, safety. Cornerbacks, Vincent Gray, Harbaugh all but confirmed that he is the starter at the one spot. And then kind of keeping in line with what we had heard recently, Jamon Green stepping up at corner. So I went with him. Over DJ Turner, um, Harbaugh, the first person he mentioned other than Vincent Gray was Javon Green, and then he talked about Sammy Faustin, but he said, Vince Gray, who's starting? Who's on the other side of Vince? You got Javon Green, Sammy Faustin, and then he mentioned a bunch of others. All right, that's uh, that's it. That's the, the I guess, 23, because since I included the Sam linebacker uh, in there, but uh, that's the 23. Uh, we will continue about some of the other guys that you can expect to contribute, uh, here in just a moment. But before we do, do need to talk to you a little bit about rockauto.com. Now rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, or, uh, like I needed for my Cadillac twice, uh, Timing belts. <laughs> They've saved me thousands of dollars personally. They really have. Not, not That's not it in my read. I'm telling you, they have. It's awesome. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we went over who I believe, based off of press conference material, who the guys are that are going to be starting. Here are the other ones that I think are in consideration to be a part of the rotation or are in contention still. Starting with the, I mean, quarterback, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious it's Joe Milton, Cade McNamara is the, the next guy up. Behind him, you have Dan Villari and a, a handful of walk-ons. Uh, wide receiver. Since I put Saner still in, I mean, Giles Jackson, but obviously going to get a lot of play. Cornelius Johnson, obviously going to get a lot of play. Pretty evident that AJ Henning and Roman Wilson are going to get a lot of play now. Uh, Nate Shanley, I was glad to hear his name, uh, mentioned both on special teams and at wide receiver by Harbaugh. Jake McCurry was mentioned as well. Obviously all four running backs are going to get play. Christian Turner, I think just kind of based off of what Jay Harbaugh said that like, Hey, he's willing to play scout team and, all of that, I think that because he did come back late, had missed some time, had opted out, he might be behind the eight ball. Scout team might be where he's at. I mean, I'm sure he'll see some time. It's a free year. But it's not, I don't think, as much of a given, given that he was the one that wasn't there. Tight end, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, I don't remember who mentioned him. Someone mentioned him at some point. We haven't talked to Sharon Moore in a very long time. Offensive line, I mentioned Carson Barnhart, Trevor Keegan, Trent A. Jones. I am a little concerned about not having heard Nolan Rumler's name. Uh, Zach Carpenter hasn't really been mentioned. I think he was a little banged up earlier, but I don't know what his status is now. So that's, I mean, that's the offensive side. There's a lot more names on defense, and I think that that could speak to the defense really being... I mean, it could be ferocious if you have some really strong rotations, especially up front. Defensive end, we've heard uh, Luigi Villain and Taylor Upshaw are the names that are frequently brought up. Uh, yesterday, Harbaugh mentioned Gabe Newberg and Mike Morris, which is, that's what you want to hear, two, two of those guys. No Braden McGregor yet. Um, I know he still, you know, has the ACL issue. Um, I don't know where he's at otherwise. Defensive tackle, I think, is what gets interesting because Julius Welshoff has been getting a lot of hype at defensive tackle. Jess Spate is also getting some hype. Keep in mind, Jess Spate wasn't really thrown to the Wolves until late last year. So, and I, th I think that he wasn't bad against Alabama. Ohio State might be a different story, but I again, I've, I've told you, I've had someone tell me a year and a half ago when he was still on the offensive line that he's a lot better than people think that he plays a lot better than a walk-on would. That's why he earned a scholarship. Mozzie Smith, obviously, also in that mix. Haven't heard as much about Mozzie as we would like, obviously. Linebacker, I'm doing this, combining the uh, Will and Mike. Uh, Adam Shibley, Adam Fakie. Um, Both are walk-ons. Both have been gaining a, a lot of traction. I've heard Shibley was mentioned by... Uh, both Harbaugh and Don Brown. Adam Fakie was mentioned by Don Brown. Both have been special team stalwarts. That's kind of how you end up getting on the field at Michigan. Uh, we've heard a ton about Nakai Hill Green from both the coaches and the players. That 
as a true freshman kind of signifies that he might end up being that next guy in the wheel rotation. Kalel Mullings is getting some uh, some talk about there too. Uh, we've heard a little bit about Cornell Wheeler. Viper, Anthony Solomon and William Mohan. William Mohan, ha- the things that Brian Jean-Marie said about William Mohan is the most exciting. Like Don Brown talked about him a bit. If I can find that real fast, then I'll I'll mention I'll mention him uh, or what he had to say. But uh, what Don Brown had to say about Mohan was a lot of fun. Um, one name that you're going to see play it, and that's Apache Mohan. This guy can chase the football now. I love how I I, I love talking like Don Brown. Like I I I put in things like the word deal and using now and just it, I love it. You can rush the passer. Some guys you can teach them and they rush the passer. And some guys it's on your mark, get set, go, and they just flat out rush the passer. This is one of those kind of guys. He can really go his top end. I don't even know where it is because he's stuck in the learning curve. But you can give this guy a few jobs kind of in the ilk of Uche. And you better watch out now because he's tough to block. He's the name that I would add to that Viper group. Now, that's Don Brown. Here's what Brian Jean-Marie had to say about William Mohan. Now, the young buck, William Mohan, who we call Apache, he's probably one of the most explosive young men I've ever been around, and I've been coaching for 20 years. He has some natural ability that you can't take credit for as a coach. He has that instinct, has that knack of just getting to the football. It's not always done the right way, but when you look at his production, it's through the roof, rushing the passer and just getting to the football. He's a very unique individual. The more we can keep honing in on him, uh, obviously working within the framework of the defense, he's got a chance to be a very special player. If nothing else, you're going to see him on special teams, and he might just be incredible. That could definitely be a part. Sam linebacker, David Ajabo, who moved from uh, defensive end, and Jalen Harrell have been getting mentioned there. Safeties, Makari Page, German Green, Hunter Reynolds, still at safety, and Harbaugh said that Caden Kolasar is doing it. Listen, Harbaugh's loved Caden Kolasar. I know it's his, his teammate's son, but he mentions Caden Kolasar all the time. That's usually a pretty good sign. He's mentioned Caden Kolasar for a year. And Caden Kolasar, I believe, excuse me, I believe burnt his red shirt last year. I'm not 100 on that, but I'm pretty sure he, he did. I know he got a lot of play on special teams. Cornerback, and here's where it gets interesting. Obviously, you know about DJ Turner and Jalen Perry. Sammy Faustin. Sammy Faustin's a guy that's been getting due to the day by Don Brown a lot lately. He's a guy they were excited about last year at safety. He's got the build of a corner. And it wouldn't be the first time that Harbaugh took a guy that they had at safety and moved in the corner. Jeremy Clark. Sammy Faustin's a tall guy. But he, he he's rail thin, kind of like you expect. And I say rail thin, but if I was to look up his weight, I'm sure it wouldn't be nearly as... It, it, he looks thinner than he probably is. Let me put it that way. Sammy Faustin, 6'2", 200. So he's like around what I am, except for I'm like 210 and I'm fat. So, yeah. Uh, he had gained five pounds this offseason. So, yeah, you feel pretty good about it. Um, What else? Andre Selden, obviously, I think is going to be more of the nickelback guy. But I think he'll play a bit, too. And definitely on special teams. 
All right, that's the backups. Uh, I do need to also, though, tell you a little bit about Bilt Bar. Listen, I have an unopened box sitting on my kitchen table right now of the strawberry uh, flavor that just came in, which I'm super excited. Uh, I know that they have uh, had or have, I'm not sure, which, so I probably shouldn't promote it unless I know for sure, but I'm going to. They had where you could get 12% off of your whole order uh, in, in order for breast cancer awareness, and they had the strawberry, which is a special flavor for that month of October. You can buy a hoodie for $20. Uh, but on top of that, I mean, you have to know with, with Built Bar, the way that this is going, you can put in promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com and get 30% off of your next order. I'm telling you, it is totally, totally awesome. Uh, the 12% thing, I just looked it up, isn't there anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and I'm sorry, 20% off of your, your next order. Uh, but 30% off at, of you get Built Go, which is something else I've been talking about. Listen, I put my money where my mouth is, I think, five times now. I think this is my fifth box of Built Bar. They're delicious, has real chocolate, uh, doesn't have a bunch of crap in it, uh, low-calorie, low-carb, high-protein, everything you really need out of, uh, out of your protein bar. It's not gritty, doesn't have a bad aftertaste. I am telling you, Built Bar is where it's at. Go to BuiltBar.com, put in promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off of your next order. Don't delay. I'm telling you, it's incredible. All right, let's finish out talking about Minnesota because that's coming up sooner than later. Found out I'm probably going, which is not what I anticipated just given this year. So I'm curious to see how that goes. They're going to be driving because flights are like $400 and I just don't want to rather spend 10, 10 hours in a car than two hours at an airport and then two hours on a plane and then hour after that and Ubering, all that stuff. So anyway, uh, I love telling doing the inside baseball thing, just telling, telling you what my thought process is with all this stuff. There is actually, I have my likes, my don't likes and one, whatever, but my likes are longer, but I kind of feel like the more I look at it and this is my first, like they're kind of a mirror image of Michigan in a lot of ways. Michigan had some tougher games last year than Minnesota. I, I don't think that that's any kind of surprise, really. You know, like, let's look at who Minnesota played uh, just to, to get a refresher. Minnesota in 2019, they played, ended up playing four ranked opponents. The first one being Penn State, who they beat at home. They played at Iowa. They lost that game. They played at uh, they hosted Wisconsin, and they lost that game considerably. And then they beat Auburn on New Year's Day. So that's Minnesota. Michigan, conversely, uh, obviously had a much tougher schedule. Wasn't necessarily. I mean, they they have what. Two more ranked opponents than Minnesota. They also lost to Wisconsin. Very similar end score. Except Michigan was on the road compared to at home. Michigan beat ranked Iowa. Michigan lost to ranked Penn State. Michigan beat the tar out of ranked Notre Dame. Michigan got destroyed 
by ranked Ohio State. And Michigan hang in, hung in there for about two and a half quarters against Alabama before losing. So one of these things is not like the other. Six ranked opponents compared to, uh, to four. When you look at that, Michigan had a look at the FBS, the football one uh, A or whatever. Michigan had a four and four record against teams with a winning uh, record. They beat every team that didn't. Uh, Minnesota, conversely, I don't have this written down because I have all these other things written down, and I go on a train of thought. Versus winning t- teams with a winning record, Minnesota was three and two. So they they played three less games, but they were seven and zero against teams with non-winning records. So this is a very similar deal. But keep in mind, like Minnesota played South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern to open up the season, and they really struggled in the month of uh, months of August and September as the season was getting going. Um, all of those games were by one score until they got to Illinois. Uh, 28-21 against South Dakota State, FCS program. Uh, 38-35 at Fresno State. Uh, 35-32 against Georgia Southern. 38-31 against Purdue. So it took them a while to get going, but once they did, I mean, you're looking at blowouts against Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. One score win against Penn State. A loss by one score to Iowa. Uh they beat Northwestern and then lost 38 to 17 to Wisconsin. Michigan lost 35 to 14. So just to kind of give you the, the perspective of what Minnesota was last year, they returned a lot to my knowledge. I haven't looked at the college press box yet, uh, but they're very close to being a mirror image of each other, especially they're within one spot in total defense, rush defense, pass defense. They're only three spots away from this is my whatever. I'm just going to get to it now. Everyone acts like Minnesota is just slings the ball all over the place and that they're like one of the top passing offenses in the country. They were 47th in the country last year. Michigan was 50th. If Michigan would have had a more, uh, a, a, you know, favorable conditions against Notre Dame. Maybe Michigan's right where Minnesota is to give you the idea of where Minnesota actually is strength. The schedule I mentioned, Minnesota was 22nd in the country. Michigan was had the fourth hardest schedule in the country. Michigan probably has the hardest one in the big 10 East and second behind Nebraska this year. Here's an interesting thing though. Defense for Minnesota has not been very good at home. I mean, it was okay, but their best, they were way better defensively on the road. I I would bet that for Michigan, and I don't know offhand, I'm going to look this up while we're doing it. I would bet for Michigan that it was probably the opposite. So Michigan actually was 21st in defense on the road or on a neutral site at home. Uh, I think I'm wrong. Nope. 12th. So right about, you know, they were, they were pretty close to it even. Uh, in the, like I mentioned the Minnesota in the opening month, the defense was 40th in the country, which is, you know, still upper third, but still 
offense was 83rd. Granted, Michigan's was 81st, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were turning the ball over like it was their job in the first month of the of the season. Michigan can, can not turn the ball over. Good things. Minnesota and Michigan were relatively even in turnover ratio by the end of the year. Minnesota was 49th on stopping teams on third down. Michigan was much better than that, 18th. Here's where Michigan maybe has an advantage is on special teams, and I didn't look at their return game because I forgot. Uh, but uh, 122nd, which is almost dead last out of 128 teams or 130 teams, I don't remember exactly, in punting. Michigan was 39th in the country. 79th in kickoffs, Michigan was 37th. So these are all things that I think are positive for Michigan. Things that I don't think are positive, Minnesota was one better than Michigan in total defense, 10th in the country. Their defense was really good. 9th against the pass and 23rd against the run. So really, really good in both metrics. 7th best offense in the country versus ranked teams. 7th. They play ranked teams, it comes on, it comes alive. They do good. Again, they only played four, though. Michigan played six. And they're eighth in the country in third down conversions offensively. Michigan was in the top of the bottom half, 74th in the country. I still have Michigan winning a nail-biter because I still think Minnesota ain't played nobody, Paul, but it is the season opener. And there are no, there are going to be no fans there, which benefits Michigan. So night game, you're not going to get that juice from the fan base. If if you're going to have a night game at Minnesota, you might as well have it without fans. And keep in mind, Michigan is, I believe, I saw nine and zero playing at night in Minneapolis. So that's that. All right, we are out of time. We will be back tomorrow. I am sure discussing what Sean knew I had to say. I'm sure we'll do some some clips and stuff like that. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Wolverines. Talk to you soon. Peace.